Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is Good Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Charles Chuck Thompson, and with me as always in this echoey room because we're moving studios today. So uh, all the sound panels are gone and this audio is not going to be as great as usual. Usually it's the greatest I've ever seen, the top notch and well, just the best greatest audio I've ever seen (laughs) and heard. Uh, But with me, as I as I always say, the one who knows just about everything there is to know, Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. What's going on, man? You got your uh, make taxation theft again hat. I on, do. And we're not live on camera. Today. I know. I know. I'm generally but scared I'm, to wear this hat in public, by the way, because it looks like a make America great again hat. But I always try to angle it down to make sure people can read it when I'm even, like at the counter. Because I don't want someone to just come up and punch me in the face when I'm not looking. Even though it's black. It's not a red hat. Yeah, it's I black. Know, I know. It says I, make taxation theft again, which I, I don't know. Maybe we're on the road to that happening. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't out know. there. Minneapolis is defunding police. The L.A. is defunding but, police. But what you're noticing from that is that they're not going to defund it and say, give the people their money. That no, they're paying they're in taxes. That's no. not what's going to happen. They're going to reinvest in yeah. the community. Yeah, your your money which means. Did you see the article? I think yesterday. I don't think we have it in the show notes today, but I read an article yesterday where even the bailout money that the federal government has given the states, none of the cities or counties are seeing it. Like the states are arguing over how to spend it. Yeah. It's like, what isn't this for like your debts and things like that? Like Mm-mm. what? No, 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 no. They're going to find other, other pork, other special interests that they can give that money to. It's not going to go to the, where it actually needs to go to, but probably like an eight, why we shouldn't bail people out to begin with. Probably but. like an $8 billion off ramp on the interstate. That's not necessary or right. something like that. Right. You know, something that a, a construction company lobbied for something like that. Yes. that that's where it will go towards. But yeah, the, you know, the whole defund the police movement, that's something that's really big right now. Hey, you know, I'm all for uh, switching from the police system that we have right now and going to a privatized police system. I think it's, it's time to try that. My fear of this is that that's not going to be allowed and that we're just going to be living by mob rule in some of these cities. Now, if you and your friends have enough guns, then maybe you're going to be fine. You know who will be fine are the rich people who can afford private security and things like that. They'll be fine. But there's going to be a lot of neighborhoods where maybe they don't have guns or they they 
they don't live in a great neighborhood and they don't have guns. They don't have the money to pay for private security and there's not going to be any police. And I doubt they're just going to allow a private policing company to pop up in Minneapolis and start policing things. Libertarians need to be. Are you making an argument for government police? No. What I'm making an argument for is. Oh, leave it to status, Nate. Yeah. (laughs) I did this in my video I put on our Patreon yesterday. I'm all for defunding the police, but it needs to be for the right reasons and the right principles behind it. And there's a time where you can say, well, we're going to jump on the bus together and go towards liberty, right? I don't think that's where this bus is going right now. That's not where I see the bus going. Yeah. So I'm apprehensive to just jump on a bandwagon to defund the police when I don't see them increasing liberty in other ways. I want it to be done in the right way. And I don't think that that's what's going to happen. So I try to not let my libertarianism where I think that most things the police do are unnecessary. So so I don't typically like just seeing the police everywhere, searching people and doing all that stuff. I have the emotions about that, but I'm trying to not let those emotions about that dictate how I feel about the defund the police movement, because this defund the police movement is not about that at all. It's about our society's racist. The police are racist. The whole capitalist structure is racist. That's what this whole thing is. We have to get rid of this. I mean, you literally have people on CNN and all these other channels saying that if you are worried about being able to call 911 or if someone's breaking into your house and you want to police that that's out of a point of privilege that you feel that someone should be able to come there and protect you or should be able to come there and write a report to do whatever they do. Like this is not being done on a libertarian standpoint. So uh, I really hope that libertarians are noticing that that's, that's really what's happening. You can, you can remove a cancer and replace it with a worse cancer. It's not just that you can remove a cancer and replace it with nothing. You can remove a cancer and then make it worse. And that might be what we're doing. You know, when when Ron Paul said, well, what do you do when you remove a cancer? You don't do anything. That's not what's happening here. Or Milton Friedman said that Or Milton Friedman said that. I can't remember which which one said that. It was Milton Friedman's. But but that's the... So uh, what one of our people in the private group just said is ending the war on drugs or private police, which one happens first? What I said in my video yesterday is we should be attacking the things that are causing the problem. The police, in my opinion, are a symptom of a problem, and we're not attacking what the actual problem is. The problem is the war on drugs. The problem is the qualified immunity, the civil asset forfeiture, the police unions, all these things. Those are the problems. The police are the symptom of that problem. They are the enforcement hand of the state, and we are not attacking the state here We're just attacking the enforcement hand of the state while not discussing removing all of the illegal laws, illegal, unconstitutional laws that the police are out there enforcing all the time. And so that's where I get in my my principled point. And I'm just like, well, I can't just simply support this movement. It's not being done out of principle. It's not being done for the right reasons. And what can happen afterwards can be worse than what we have right now if we don't actually attack the problem. I can see that. Mm. At the same time, where I'll push back is, you know, Bernie Sanders wants to audit the Fed, probably for different reasons than libertarians want to audit the Fed. However, you can't, Mm. the auditing of the Fed is still a good idea. Can I tell you a secret? I don't care about auditing the Fed. Like if Bernie Sanders audits the Fed, it's going to say, oh, hey, they spent $50 trillion. And he's going to say, well, good. And then that's it. 
And so, like, I don't care about other than the well, fact. Well, I'm just trying to give just, you an example of yeah. where, or, you know, another Democrat joined with Justin Amash on qualified immunity, yeah. you know, trying to get rid of that bill uh, or get rid of that um, issue. So that's that's another thing. So it's like, I, I I understand what you're saying based on principle. Maybe we're not doing it for the right reasons. But if it ends up being something that we can align with, I don't see necessarily an issue there so to speak i think i have more of an issue here because i'm worried about what's going to come afterwards i think a better example for me would be bernie sanders wants to bring the troops home and so in that case i could say well if he simply wants to bring the troops home and disengage from other countries where we have no business being whatsoever well i can get on board with that i don't think bernie sanders is saying that we should leave those countries and replace everyone with private contractors and still be over there killing people all the time you know, I, I don't think that that's what he's what he's arguing. So so I can get on board with that. Um, I was on board with Bernie Sanders bail reform, even though I don't think that statistically that's going to work out on a crime standpoint. I can't justify keeping someone in jail because they don't have the money to pay their bail. Mm-hmm. I, like and that should be a slogan right there. There you go. It's it rhymes. <laughs> you know, they're both verbs, they're both verbs. So no, I understand I, what you're saying, man. And that's been my libertarian conundrum on this, because I'm like, yeah, defund the police. What I wish we could do is do it for the right reasons. I wish we would end the drug war. I wish we would end all of the unconstitutional things that police do. And they would naturally be defunded because you wouldn't need half of them. You wouldn't need 75% of them. Or they could be spending their times uh, maybe investigating crimes that have victims. And so I would love to see the funding of the police done because we don't need them anymore because they're not out there prosecuting crimes that don't have victims. True. And so in that light, I would be like, yeah, they need to be defunded, obviously. I would like to see a police force, as I mentioned several times, back to the sheriff and deputy. Yeah. You know, we don't need the city police and the county police and the and the Metro police and all like, we don't need the ATF and the, all of those, you know, acronyms. We don't need any of them. We need a sheriff to handle issues locally with deputies. And those are the ones that get funded. And actually, you know, Tennessee alone has 20,000 untested rape kits, Yeah, 20,000 rape kits that have not been tested. And you see cops out everywhere. Their argument is like, Oh, well, we don't have enough funding or enough manpower. No, you got plenty. You have plenty of people. I would give a They're lot of police. They're all just trained to to patrol the highways and give people tickets and search cars and civil asset forfeiture and all that. You're not. They're not the personnel isn't being used properly. I would give a lot of the police officers some kind of a temporary detective status where they could start running up leads on crimes that had victims and start actually going towards that. Like maybe it doesn't just have to be the detectives that are out there trying to figure this out. Maybe you could retask a lot of the police officers with doing that. And and that would be a better use of their time rather than pulling over people because they did a rolling stop when there was no one around at all, you know, but I, I know I'll probably catch some flack on the libertarian side of that. I just, all, all the things that I want to see done, I think I get frustrated when they're not being done for the right purpose. And I, I get worried going down that, that road with, with, with those people, because I don't know where that's going to end or what's going to come out of it at, at all. And right now I don't see just this nice libertarian dream popping up out of it right now. Uh, but you know, that that's, that's for each one of those local municipalities to figure out on their own. I'm not going to try to control what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, well, Hey, this is the good morning Liberty podcast. Thanks for joining today. If you're watching live, you're only getting the audio version because of what's going on. Uh, we're moving to a new studio today 
And uh, we got everything pulled down in here. It's just real nasty, just a real mess. Just smells bad, and the dogs are always bothering with it. So it, it looks real bad in here. And uh, so we're just doing audio, but we we really wanted to bring you guys an episode still today, and we can still interact on that live group. So tell me how statist I am, real quick, statist Nate. Yeah, and thanks to your Patreon donations, we're getting we're getting to move studios here, so that's really yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, no, but if you want to interact and, and be live with us, even if it's audio only, which is still fun, asking questions like Magoo does here. Uh, ending the war on drugs or private police, which ones happens first. If you want to ask those type of questions and be a part of the live show, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash good morning Liberty. All of that money does help grow the show. Uh, we put that back into advertising on Facebook and Instagram and different things like that. Uh, so we are trying to spread the message. So all of that money goes back into there. Um, in fact, you know, part of that money, we have an ad space right now that we're we're on every single week. So yep. that helps grow the show, which ultimately helps the movement. So you guys are being part of that. And we really appreciate that. So for as little as five bucks a month, you get all kinds of free stuff. So there's no reason not to sign up. Patreon.com slash good morning Liberty. We said yesterday that if you're against death, you would sign up as a Patreon supporter. And this morning I didn't see as many sign up signups as I thought I there's would. There's a lot more people who are that for are death. for death, pro death. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking for those, uh, anti-death people you know it now <laughs> when it comes to antifa by the way could you antifa death. you know you can be antifa and say that you're anti-fascist which is a brilliant name by the way to be people who are out there exercising fascist tax tactics on people but calling yourself anti-fascist yeah if you were someone who was called an anti-death could you just go out killing people and still say, well, we're anti-death, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, but so you we're doing out there, the right things. I guess you could just go out there and kill people. But as long as your name is anti-death, then then it's OK, <laughs> right. I guess. I don't know. OK, so let's run through some of this news. We're going to do something that we don't normally do, which is talk about Barack Obama just for a minute here, because he's been frustrating me and been showing himself as more, you know, he, listen, he's a politician. He, he really is a politician. By the way, he was president for eight years. Joe Biden was vice president for eight years. Joe Biden's been in the Senate for 36 years before that. These people have been in power, straight up power. And we'll talk about why that's frustrating. For a long time. For a long time. Nancy and I Pelosi, mean Chuck power. Schumer, we pushed through, Mitch McConnell. We pushed through the Affordable Health Care Act. They had full Democrat Congress and Democrat in the, in the White House. And what did they do on police reform during that time? What did they do? Show me the executive order. Show me the laws that, did, they, that they passed. What did Biden do under the Clinton administration? <laughs> yeah, the opposite of that. Yeah. So Obama calls for police reforms, tells protesters to make people in power uncomfortable. Man, isn't it nice to no longer be in power after you were just in power for eight years? By the way, our extremely racist country that is terrible and no good just came off of having a black president for eight years. We, we, I don't... I guess that doesn't matter. He he won by a wide margin, but um, you know, obviously, super racist country for yeah. sure. And we hate women too because there's no women running for president, even it's, though we do have a libertarian presidential no, we, nominee who is female. We did just interview Joe Jorgensen yesterday. Although I don't want to assume her gender. I think, I don't want to assume Dr. Joe Jorgensen's gender. I said her on accident. Oh man! So, did we even ask her to clarify? No, we didn't. Oh, I just said her again. D yeah, this is toxic. <laughs> Okay, from, from NBC News. Are, you're mansplaining your toxic masculinity I, I to the world. <laughs> <laughs> 
Former President Barack Obama offered advice to demonstrators during the virtual town hall on Wednesday in his first on-camera remarks as growing unrest against police brutality continues across the country. To bring about real change is to quote... I thought you were going to do his voice for a second. No, I'm not. To bring about real change. (laughs) Uh, 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 We both have to highlight a problem uh, and make people in power uncomfortable, Obama said. But we also have to translate that into practical solutions and laws that can be implemented. And when I called them thugs back in 2010, I didn't mean it. When I (laughs) called them thugs when this happened, it was out of love. I didn't really mean it. The event was organized by the Obama Foundation, which featured the discussion about nationwide police reform in the wake of national unrest, sparked by, in large by part the killing of George Floyd while in Minneapolis police custody. In previous speeches, Obama offered veiled condemnation of President Donald Trump's administration for its response to the coronavirus outbreak, but in this address offered counsel as protest continues across the nation amid the pandemic. I want to speak directly to the young men and women of color in this country, he said. I want you to know that you matter. I want you to know that your lives matter, that your dreams matter. Obama said in his address that this moment is politically advantageous for protesters who are calling for widespread police reforms and large-scale institutional change, unlike similar moments of unrest in the nation's history. For instance, the former president said he rejected comparisons to the 1960s when the nation was at war overseas while the civil rights movement was happening domestically amid police violence and the assassinations of political and community leaders. He said, I know enough about that history to say there is something different here. He said, noting that polls show a majority of Americans support the protest. There is a change in mindset that's taking place, a greater recognition that we can do better. Okay, so he did recognize, by the way, that the nation is different than it was in the 1960s, that that would go against the general narrative, which is that we are just as racist as, we, as we've always been. I, I will commend him on the fact that he pointed out that polls show the majority of America supports the protests against police brutality. Uh, so, so that's important. The frustrating part about this, the frustrating part about this is the obvious fact. This guy was president for eight years. Okay, so here he is talking about how we need to make some changes. He says that we need to, uh, let's see, let me see what exactly he said. Uh, To bring about real change, we both have to highlight the problem and make people in power uncomfortable. Well, isn't it nice once you're not in power anymore to be suggesting that we need to make people in in power uncomfortable and that we need to translate that into practical solutions and laws that can be implemented? This is the political nature of this. This is, I was in power for eight years. I had Congress completely on the Democratic side. We were able to push through the Affordable Care Act. I believe it was two years he had, they had complete control. Um, and then it kind of went back and forth. But they, they did nothing. Can someone show me the executive order or the law that came out of when we had our first black president and we had Vice President Joe Biden and we had complete Democrat control? What did they do to curtail the power of the police? What did they do? Did, they, did, did the police lose power during that time? Did, did that happen at all? Like, why should we be listening to this guy talk about this? Right. Whatsoever. This is extremely frustrating. And it wasn't like race relations weren't in the forefront no, during I mean, his the presidency. Ferguson they were all over thing the place. happened while he was president. Right. Like the, the, the Baltimore thing happened while he was president. The, the, this stuff happened while he was president. The same stats were happening while he was president. Actually, as I just found out by the Washington Post, the, the violence from police against blacks has been decreasing over the last five years. Um, the, so it's actually less now than it was when he was president. But 
that doesn't matter. That part doesn't matter. Who says, uh, you see, Nate, uh, it was inconvenient yeah. when I was in power. Exactly. You wouldn't want to call for people to make people in power uncomfortable while you're in power. Right. You would never want to do that. N- not at all. It was there, probably an accident that he called them thugs back then. Yeah. Let's not point out the fact that he did, in fact, call people thugs while he was in office. Yeah. I guess he can do that because he's half black. I, I don't know. Now, but, I, I want to say I don't necessarily wholeheartedly disagree with his message that we do need to make people in power uncomfortable. That's the whole libertarian idea to let the, let the people in power know that, well, the people that are perceived to be in power in government, that the, the ones ultimately in control are the people themselves. They have to govern by the consent of the governed. Yeah. But I, you have to call this hypocritical nonsense out to say like, dude, you had eight years. You had eight years. What did you do to make a change like Biden? You've had 36 years. Maybe it's time to give other people a chance. You know, maybe it's time that we have a a shift in direction uh, of of forging liberty in this country and allowing people to be free uh, and not, you know, continue on the same path with the same people who have done nothing but give you virtue signaling. Like he's just coming out and saying the right words. Yeah. You know, this is where I'm a words of affirmation person in my love language. I don't know if you guys have ever done the five love languages, um, but I'm pretty big into personalities I and love languages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's no love. Yeah. Like little win. <laughs> you get no love. Um, but anyway, I'm words of affirmation. So I appreciate words and I, uh, words have a lot of meaning to me. However, things like this, I can understand where a lot of people are like, Ah, words mean nothing to me. Like people say stuff all the time. They don't follow through, you know, actions speak louder than words and on stuff like this. I'm like, that's all these people do. They just say words. Yeah. Real nice words. Yeah. This is what I'm for. I'm against this. It's like you only do it when it's convenient for you. You know, the other day I logged into my, I have a chase credit card. I logged into my app or I logged in online and there's a big, bold statement from the CEO of JP Morgan chase is like this black lives, all this stuff happening is a big injustice and we must do something about it. Well, what, what are you waiting for? Do it. What are you like? Are you waiting for your banks to burn before you do something? Like what is everyone waiting for? They're just virtue You're signaling. All, that's that's, all, that's it is. all it is. That's all it is. And it's, you know, I don't understand. Everyone wants solutions, but then they just, everyone's, probably praising Obama for everything. That it's he said. hard to have solutions. Like how much courage did it take for him to get on camera and say this as a former president of the United States? None. It's ridiculous. It's hard to have solutions when you can't even pinpoint what the freaking problem is and no one can actually pinpoint what it is. We're dealing with a symptom of a problem right now. The problem is the power of the state. That is the problem. Okay. The, we're going to talk about some of the stats, which is something that we have not been doing because the stats fall on deaf ears but I'm, you know, I, I can't hold back on it anymore. The stats do not back up this narrative. They, they simply do not back up the narrative. And I'm, I'm sorry. Listen, I'm against any bit of police brutality. But calling this some type of a pandemic, saying that black people need to be scared for their lives when they go outside. I understand that people feel a certain way. But because you feel a certain way does not mean that it is backed up by truth whatsoever. We should all be scared when we go out and interact with police. Now, 
as a, on a statistical basis, be, with the uh, proportion of the population, uh, black people, I believe, are three times more likely to be killed by the police. So you could say you're a little bit more scared than five, white people are. Five times, actually. But we're all roughly, the number I just pulled said three times, but oh, really? maybe it's five times. Whatever it is, three, five times, I don't know. So it, the, the numbers are not backing up the narrative that we have some type of a pandemic of people being killed. Now, all of them being killed is terrible, and I'm not in support of it because we're anti-death here, and we're, we're, we're very much against death. But we also have to ask ourselves whether or not this is being pushed just a little bit too far to further some type of other agenda. Just like we talk about coronavirus, just like we talk about the helping the poor or helping people with health care, we've got to take a step back and ask whether or not the numbers are backing this up and whether or not this is all symptoms of, these are all symptoms of another problem. And I believe that they are. And I can't just sit here and act like when we talk about all of these health experts coming out and saying that it's okay for the protests to have all these people because it's the that the violence on blacks by police is more dangerous than coronavirus which is literally what they say there's another narrative being pushed here there's another agenda being pushed here because the numbers simply do not work on that at all and i can't sit here and listen to it any, any longer so we're gonna have to go through some of this and we're gonna go through some of these uh stories that we're seeing this one out of kentucky charlie you can read this one this is not the way the title of this episode is this is not the way and this is not how you actually fix our society if you're going to do that things like this and the one after that are going to be things that are going to make everything a lot worse if you're worried about the racial divide things like this are going to make it worse and that is not what we want whatsoever this coming out of the washington examiner kentucky governor vows to provide health care coverage for all black residents so kentucky governor andy is it bashir bashir announced that the state will begin working on a policy to provide health care coverage to every black resident bashir a democrat said the policy would be vital in ending health care disparities between the state's black and white residents during a press conference on monday Quote, today, I'm going to make a commitment on coverage, he said. I believe that healthcare is a basic human right. It's not. And I talked, even when I was running, about how I wanted everybody to have some form of healthcare coverage. It's time for prioritization in black and African-American communities, so we are going to do that. Quote, my commitment today is we are going to begin an effort to cover 100% of our individuals in our black and African-American communities. Everybody. We're going to be putting dollars behind it. We're going to have a multifaceted campaign to do it, he continued. Bashir said that he wants all people in Kentucky to have health care coverage at some point, but he would start with coverage for black residents. In our health care systems, the inequalities have been laid bare and have been exposed by this COVID-19 epidemic. And the results of inequality in health care have been shown its death. By allowing this type of inequality to exist for as long as it has, we see African-Americans dying at twice the rate that they make up of the population. It simply cannot be, can't be allowed to continue any longer. It shouldn't have taken this type of pandemic or shouldn't have taken these types of demonstrations for us to commit to ending it. Bashir said the state will look to register as many uncovered people to Medicare and Medicaid and work to fill gaps for those who do not qualify and require private insurance. He noted that further details on the plan would be released in the future. Oh, God. I don't even know where to start on this. The Besides, like... What does this do? It, it's going to pit people against each other is what it's going to do. If you're simply going to get health care coverage because of the color of your skin, 
that listen that's gonna piss me off okay that that i just went 10 years without health care coverage i've seen my mom struggle her entire life because she hasn't been able to pay her health her health care bills that has been the entire reason that we remained on a, a poor level for the bulk of my life or healthcare expenses. She, she had bad healthcare problems. She still does throughout my entire life. And the fact that she isn't black means that she's going to have to suffer that burden for the rest of her life. And that because someone else is black, they're not going to is completely asinine that like this pisses me off. And if you can, I'm just telling you, this is going to make things worse very much worse okay now you can set aside the financial problems are they even going to be able to do it um don't they already have medicare and medicaid for people who can't afford to have right. some of this coverage like th this is wrong this is completely wrong and it, it, it's i don't know how else to describe it except for that it's it's disgusting and it's going to make the problem worse that that's all it's going to do yeah uh, it's it's racism by the state by definition right it, it's com it's completely disgusting. It's one thing to do it on economic grounds where it doesn't matter what your skin color is. But when you start doing it based on racial racial bounds, it's it's not right. It, it really is not right. You know, when, when we first moved to Nashville, my wife and I were pretty poor also. I had just started a band. We had just started traveling. I wasn't taking in any income, really. I mean, hardly any income whatsoever. When we first moved here, my wife was going to college. She didn't have her great job yet. And she was selling plasma, just like you did, Charlie, selling plasma to try and pay some bills. And when she went to the office to try and get some type of aid, she was trying to actually get SNAP at that time. Do you know what they told her? They said, we're not going to be able to give it to you. And she said, why? She said, because you're white and you don't have any kids. She said, if you were black or you had kids, I would be able to give you financial aid right now but simply there's not room for you to be on this. Mm. And that's the kind of thing that people live with in their mind, by the way. That's 10 years of my wife knowing that she had to struggle when other people didn't have to struggle as hard, that she had to make her way and get a job and push herself up to the next level because she had no other option. And that's what she had to do. And I, I mean, <laughs> I don't think that she has any hatred in her heart for anyone, but you're telling me that's not going to cause any problems in people's mindsets towards other people. I know you're going to disagree with me on this probably. And a lot of libertarians will, but you know what the number one killer of, of black people has been their hearts abortion. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so since Roe v. Wade, um, let's, uh, I got the numbers right here. Since Roe v. Wade, 19 million black babies were aborted. Yeah. And in fact, uh, black women are five times more likely to get an abortion than white women are. And it's because I was watching this um, just disgusting documentary produced by black people, by the way. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it's called. It's mafia, mafia or something like that. It's a Zimbabwe word or something like that that kind of correlates with it. And a lot of people were like, oh, conspiracy, whatever. But I don't know if you actually watch the whole thing and I need to dig into some of the numbers, but this whole thing started after slavery. There was the American eugenics society found founded. And in fact, Hitler invited people. He, he used the eugenics model of the American eugenics society and all this stuff. And he invited people over that were uh, high up in the American eugenics society to go over to Germany and met with them and all kinds of stuff. 
And uh, they were talking about, you know, black people being feeble minded and all of these different things. And Planned Parenthood, before it changed its name to Planned Parenthood, was um, it was uh, the Birth Control League. They changed their name to Planned Parenthood. Margaret Sanger, who's the founder of the Birth Control League and Planned Parenthood, was close ties with the American Eugenics Society. And then they strategically placed these abortion clinics in minority lower income neighborhoods and and all of Planned Parenthood. Now people are like, well, abortion may not be wrong, whatever. I don't know. I'm just telling you 19 million black people, uh, babies aborted that could make a huge difference. <laughs> like, you know, so right here, black women make up 14% of the childbearing population yet 36% of all abortions were obtained by black women. So it's almost double what anyone else is doing. And it's just, uh, if you want to talk about black lives and how they matter, I think this is an area of that, that still needs debate. I don't know about anybody else, but it's, I, uh, I, I mean, if you look up quotes from Margaret, Margaret, uh, Sanger, it's pretty, pretty gross. So, yeah. She's her own writings. You can go back and yeah. read the books. It's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, it's very clear that she was starting that as a way to exterminate black people at the beginning. Yes. I mean, literally, you can't say that these days because you can't be against Planned Parenthood. But literally, that that's what she was trying to do. Uh, I mean, that that's actually what she was trying to do. So it's you know we don't we don't talk on abortion all that much. Charlie and I disagree a little bit on it, kind of. I mean, kind I, of. I agree I'm not that it's, saying that I agree it's immoral. I just don't think there can be a law about right. it. So, and I'm not saying that there should be laws because I, I, yeah. I don't know if that's the actually the right answer. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely wrong. Yeah. In I, my, I, in my, I think it's immoral. I think it's completely immoral. I, I agree with that. I, I just can't. I can't do a law about about it. I, I just mean, can't. If we've do had it. like 50 million abortions since Roe v. Wade. How many of those people you think were like Elon Musk level? Yeah. At least one, maybe two. Maybe we'd already be at Mars. I don't know. Like we probably murdered some pretty good brains. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm sure. I, I don't know. It's Maybe sad. It is really sad. But anyway, but, uh, it, I don't know what that has. To, I guess. What does that have to do with healthcare? Well, I think if Kentucky and states and other people really cared about black lives and how to um, how to make people equal, you don't do it by offering healthcare coverage, which you think is a basic human right. Uh, how about we start with just not killing people? Yeah. And, and to like me, that would start there. To me, that would come down to that. That would come down to an economics problem still, because you have to ask yourself, it's an economics and societal problem. And that's where I come down on abortion. You have to ask why, what leads to people having abortions? And to me, I want to solve those problems, not necessarily the symptoms of the problem, which is the abortion. I want to solve what leads to that. And a lot of times it's bad economics. It's people being in poverty. It's people uh, not having the proper personal responsibility. And I want to solve those problems. That's how I would tackle that. Everything that we talk about on a daily basis is tackling the abortion problem because tackling those problems would tackle that one as well. So the, that's kind of where I come down on, on that. So anyway, next story. Uber Eats starts free delivery from black-owned restaurants. This is not the way, guys. This is not the way to do it. This is from thestreet.com. So talking Wall Street here. 
Uber. Uh, Get Report has launched a feature of its Uber Eats food delivery app to enable U.S. and Canadian customers for the rest of the year to order from black-owned restaurants with free delivery. Shares of the San Francisco ride-sharing food, food delivery company at, at uh, last check were up 3%. On, on that news. The feature responds to nationwide protests about the death of George Floyd. Uh, customers who open the Uber Eats app in major U.S. and Canadian cities will see a banner reading support black-owned restaurants. They're, providing with, they're provided with a list of nearby restaurants. Del- delivery fees for those orders are being waived until the end of the year, the company said. Uber employees had, com- had compiled the restaurant list based on publicly available resource, uh, sources and with input from local organizations and business associations. The company said the new food delivery feature is a response to the request from customers. Um, I'll go down to the end of it real quick uh, so we can see exactly what we are talking about. Let's see. Chief Executive uh, Dara Kay, because I don't want to say her last name, said in the Thursday email to U.S. customers that Uber in coming weeks would offer discounted ride-hailing trips to black-owned small businesses that have been affected by the coronavirus pandemic, Reuters reported. Uh, she also committed to making the company more diverse internally. In, tw- in 2019, some 45% of Uber's U.S. employees were white, 33% Asian, 9% black, and 8% Hispanic, a company report showed. That's not even, those numbers aren't even off that much from the population. I, I, I don't even, I don't even know what diversity except they're for going Asian. for there. Asians yeah, except for Asian. <laughs> the problem Asians is Asians. Ma- Asians make up 5% of <laughs> the from, population. From what we've seen in every statistic, Asians are the problem. <laughs> even millionaires. Millionaires, 5% of the population is Asian. Millionaires, uh, 8%. Yeah. You know, I was running the numbers. So like, um, for instance, uh, millionaires in the United States, the latest numbers I've seen. There's 76% of the United States population is white and Hispanic. Like they kind of group them all together. It's weird. So yeah. 76% of the population is white. Uh, 76%, 76% of millionaires are white. Okay. 13% of the population is black. 8% of millionaires are black. 5% of the population is Asian. 8% of millionaires is Asian. So they've got a spread there. Um, and now here at Uber, they, you know, they make up 5% of the population, yet 33% of the company. Yeah. So That's, I, don't, uh, I don't know. That seems like an inequality <laughs> problem. We should hire some more blacks and Hispanics and fire the Asians. There you go. <laughs> like I or fire the white people. I don't give a shit. It's ridiculous. Have the best people give the rides That's, and have people get rides to the places that they want to go. Like, that is all that actually matters. This is it. Get, get your food from the right restaurants that have the best food and the best service. Can you imagine how ridiculous it would be if you could put a filter on there that said white owned on Uber? Is anyone talking about doing that? Oh, I'd like an Asian owned restaurant. Right. I'd like a white owned restaurant. Who cares? That's what I was saying the other day. I'm like, I don't care who owns the business. I will shop from anyone. I want the highest quality product and service for the cheapest price possible, which I do most of my shopping on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I just bought a bedroom set from Wayfair last night. You know, because they had the best option. They Did had the you highest. check to see who owned them first? No, I didn't. And in fact, Wayfair was selling. It was another company. I can't remember the the Grainwood company. I didn't see who the owner was. I don't care. I wanted a solid. I wanted solid, high quality wood furniture for the best price possible. And guess where I found it? It was on Wayfair. We did. It. We've done a lot of research over the last two weeks. 
we're moving. So the lady wants a new bedroom set. And so, you know, whatever, I took some of my poker winnings and <laughs> we're getting a new bedroom set and I'm happy about it. And I think it's going to look awesome. Um, but we, for the last two weeks, we've just been looking, okay, what's the highest quality furniture we can find that would last a long time for the best price possible. And I that, don't care who owns it. That's all that matters. I don't care. I look I, at reviews, what people are saying, like how much it costs. What's the quality? Is it solid wood? Yes, it is. Okay. This will last for a long time. Awesome. Good price. I like it. Click buy. Provide the best product and service. That's, that's the, that is the answer in a free market. Provide the best product and service. If it's food, then provide the best food at the best value. That's all you need to do. This, listen guys, this is not the way. This is going to cause problems. It is not right for a, a black restaurant owner to get a leg up over their white competition simply because they're black. That is not right that you have to pay a $6 delivery fee because a white person owns the business. That's completely insane. And it's, uh, and honestly, it's enough for me to not want to use Uber Eats anymore. And that's, listen, like already right there. Like I'm, I'm not racist. I know I'm white, but guess what? I'm not, I'm not racist, but I'm pissed off enough at Uber Eats over this stupid decision that I don't want to use them anymore. And that's the problem. It's going to cause people who aren't racist to drive a divide between people. Like this kind of stuff is not going to work. And by the way, it made me think like you can do reparations without passing reparations, by the way. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of what you're seeing. Oh, if you're black, you can have healthcare. If you're black, we'll give free delivery for your restaurant. So you'll be more likely to get food orders from people. You can do reparations without actually passing reparations. And I, I'm a little bit worried that that's what we're actually going to see. And it's going to cause the same problems that we talked about reparations would cause because it's the same thing. Some people are going to have to struggle because they're white. And guess what? That's no more. That's not justice. That is not justice for racism. The only justice is that we all get treated equally. That's it. This is not justice. Is that justice, Mr. Reed? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'd have got him 10. <laughs> it just it is not. It, and if you're worried about people being treated equally, this is not treating people equally. If you're upset that, that, that black people have been held down over the course of the last couple hundred years, few hundred years in our nation's history, holding white people down is not the answer to that. It's just stop holding black people down. That's it. You don't have to hold the white people down. Because of that, there, none of these restaurant owners have any part of any of the police brutality of anything that's gone on any more than anyone else does. It's, it, it's completely insane. Like Sam said, his racism is showing because when he sees a roadside barbecue joint that's black owned, his ass is hooking a U-turn because he knows he's about to eat. Well, good. yeah, I mean, and, <laughs> and maybe that would be the reason for a filter. I mean, you know, you see that it's a black owned business. You're like, hey, I'm, I'm going to get some better food here, yeah, you know, yeah. but it doesn't mean that they should have a leg up over their competition because they're black for any reason other than they've got better food. That's the only reason. Maurice says, yeah, does Barack Obama only get a 50% off of his delivery fee because he's only half black? And he said, what if you're 25% black? And I'm, in full disclosure, Maurice is black. I'm so I'm an eighth Asian, so they're going to start taking money from me anytime Yeah, because you're part of the problem. I'm part of the problem. Clearly, you're, your race is overtaking everything. I know. You got more millionaires. You're higher uh, employed by Uber. This is all my grandparents' fault. Yeah. It is. 
It's disgusting, <laughs> man. I can't believe it. All right, so Charlie, tell me about it the just, tell me about the hypocrisy in this next article. Article that that's why I put it on here. This is not a. But well, I just want to hang here for a bit and just and just all of this encompassing from the moment we started with Obama's hypocrisy and everything, Kentucky's healthcare, the abortions, all of it. If you if you see what's happening here, it is a it's an emotional roller coaster because there's no baseline of principles. People are like, oh, well, this sounds good and this sounds good and we support this and we disagree with this and I'll say a bunch of words here and uh, this is what I'm feeling. And uh, you just there's no baseline principled for people to make decisions on. And and you get this type of up and down emotional roller coaster of, you know, oh, well, you know, beating up on blacks is bad. Well, yes, I agree with that. Well, what should we do about it? Well, uh I don't know this. We'll just shop at black owned rest, uh, restaurants and we'll give them discounts. That's how we'll solve it. That'll solve the problem. You're not doing anything to solve the problem because you're not actually understanding the problem because you have no baseline of principles or anything to base your decisions off of. It's just whatever pops in your head. Like, Oh, I have a thought. I'm going to donate all my money to black people. Like that's fine. And I'm just going to say it. That's fine. Like if you want to do that. Yes. But it's like, what, what are you basing it off of? What is actually going to help people? What is actually going to help black lives? What is actually going to help uh, Hispanic lives or whatever? What is actually going to help humans? Well, we talk about it every single day on this show. It's making people as free as possible. Get rid of the overpowerful government outreach and all of that garbage. Stop so, taking money from people and redistrib- redistributing it to yeah, other people. Taxation inefficiently. Okay. Stop doing it. Yeah. Drugs are bad, but decriminalize them. I thought this next article was hilariously hypocritical, so I just had to put it in there because obviously we still need to be worried about the coronavirus, everyone. Uh, sometimes. This is coming from CNN, man. This is exactly how far Donald Trump will go to hear a packed crowd cheering for him. Magoo said, principles? That sounds like privilege spelled funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what it is. Check your white principles. Check your- <laughs> All right, CNN, so you know this is going to be good. On Thursday, South Dakota Republican Governor Christy Noem announced that Uh, announced plans to maintain social distancing during President Donald Trump's planned visit to Mount Rushmore to celebrate the 4th of July holiday had been scrapped. Quote, we've seen people coming into the state for many weeks now, and we continue to see our infection rates decline. Noam told reporters, we did have a plan of social distancing. We do not anticipate doing any social distancing activities during the celebration. What I'm going to ask people to do is if you're sick, stay home which means that there will be a crowd of 7,500 ticketed guests. And, uh, and Noam said Thursday that people without tickets would be free to congregate outside the official (laughs) monument grounds, meaning that there are likely to be more than 7,500 people in attendance, maybe a lot more, which would seem to be in direct violation of the CDC's guidance on larger gatherings amid the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. It's still ongoing, by the way, people, this is ongoing. Quote, large events and mass gatherings can contribute to the spread of COVID-19 in the United States via travelers who attend these events and introduce the virus to new communities. Examples of large events and mass gatherings include conferences, festivals, parades, concerts, sporting events, weddings, and other types of assemblies. 
read the CDC guidelines. Larger gatherings, if for example, more than 250 people offer more opportunities for person-to-person contact and therefore pose greater risk of COVID-19 transmission. <laughs> That's it on that one. <laughs> Is there any the protests next... on here? No, they didn't now, list out protests. Now, I you know, I actually <laughs> forgot about this article, but I read another article last night. And I wanted I just wanted Remember the title while you're looking for that. Remember the title of this article was this is exactly how far Trump will go to hear a packed crowd cheering for him. It's insane. Listen, we're no avid Trump supporters here, but can we point out the hypocrisy of a, of a, a news article coming from CNN explaining the dangers of Trump holding a rally? Can anyone else pick up on the hip, on the hypocritical nature of that? It's I don't even know. I don't even know where to go with this type of th- thing. Like you said, there's no principle. This there's no truth. This article was published yesterday. I don't know if you saw this or not. I forgot to send it to you. Um, published yesterday, asymptomatic spread of coronavirus is very rare. Who says? Not the band. Who? World Health Organization. So, coronavirus patients without symptoms aren't driving aren't driving the spread of the virus. World Health Organization officials said Monday, casting doubt on concerns by some researchers that the disease could be difficult to contain due to asymptomatic infections. Some people, particularly young and otherwise healthy individuals who are infected by the coronavirus, never develop symptoms or only develop mild symptoms. Others might not develop symptoms until days after they were actually infected. Preliminary evidence from the earliest outbreaks indicated that the virus could spread from person-to-person contact even if the carrier didn't have symptoms. But WHO officials now say that while asymptomatic spread can occur, it is not the main way it's being transmitted. From the data, quote, from the data we have, it still seems to be rare that asymptomatic person actually transmit onward to a secondary individual. Dr. Maria Van Kerkhove, head of who, of who's emerging diseases in a zoonosis unit, said in a news briefing from the United Nations Agency Geneva headquarters, quote, it's very rare. Imagine that it's this this whole entire thing. As I told you guys from the beginning, pay attention, just pay attention. And what we talked to Dr. Joe Jorgensen about yesterday was the science has never settled. No. Wait for the data to actually come in. Elon Musk said, like, we need real data, like stop making ridiculous policies and mandates off of data that isn't clear. And as the data starts to come in, well, lo and behold, if if and this makes complete sense, by the way, um, if you're asymptomatic, which means you don't have a runny nose or congestion or anything that you're coughing up or spreading very hard for the virus to travel anywhere because it needs that expectorant the coming out of your body, those body bodily fluids to get to someone else because it's not the virus as we as they thought it was aerosolized. It's not aerosolized unless you're on a into uh, like a BiPAP or an, uh, um, an intubator. So a ventilator, sorry, not an intubator, a ventilator. So as we're finding out more and more things, and I think this is why you see the stock market booming and on all kinds of stuff. I mean, even Hertz <laughs> Hertz, a bankrupt company, a stock that fell as low as 40 cents was now hit a high of $7 yesterday. I mean, and, and everyone's like, what in the hell is going on? Um, but anyway, it, it, like if you think about what has happened is people through fear, are they're looking for the next demise of humans, humankind, so that they can make these brash policies and rush them through and everybody's going to support it. You know, at the beginning, what it was like 90 percent, 90 percent of people supported the lockdown. 
And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, it was still like 80% of people still supported stay at, stay at home. Now, I don't know what the surveys were over, but, but as we're starting to see all the data come in, it's like, this is literally the flu. Yeah. If not even as worse as the, 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 the flu, flu has a at, higher death rate for younger people than yeah. this does. So you could argue that the flu is worse. Yeah. Especially the real bad strains of flu. Well, and they end up killing children, like like lots of children. Like I've been saying in the case that we've already known about the flu for 100 years and we've already got several flu vaccines and we still have this much death from the flu. So it's to me, the flu is still going to come out more dangerous. Remember, we're comparing a virus that has a vaccine and that we've known about for 100 years to something that we've known about for six months and does not have a vaccine. Yeah. So I think we'll see at the end of the day, this is not going to be as dangerous. We've been saying that the whole time. And we're not medical professionals. I don't have the data on that. That's just my speculation. But guess what? Our speculation has been right so far. So take that for what you will. So I've got this. Stapleton will say, don't doubt me. Don't doubt me. (laughs) You can doubt me. It's fine. Doubt everything. All right. Listen, here's an open letter advocating for anti-racist public health response to demonstrations against systemic injustice occurring during the COVID-19 pandemic. So this is an open letter, by the way, signed by 1,300 health professionals, infectious disease professionals, and community stakeholders. Signed by 1,300 people. There are all kinds of doctors on here, nurses, all kinds of people signed on to this letter, 1,300 of them, signing on, talking about the protests. So it says on April 30th, Heavily armed and predominantly white protesters entered the state capitol building in Lansing, Michigan, protesting stay-home orders and calls for widespread public masking to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Infectious disease physicians and public health officials publicly condemned these actions and privately mourned the widening rift between leaders in science and the subset of the communities that they serve. As of May 30th, we are witnessing continuing demonstrations in response to ongoing, pervasive, and lethal institutional racism set off by the killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, among many other black lives taken by police. A public health response to these demonstrations is also warranted, but this message must be wholly different from the response to white protesters resisting stay-home orders. Infectious disease and public health narratives adjacent to demonstrations against racism must be consciously anti-racist and infectious disease experts must be clear and consistent in prioritizing an anti-racist message. So it says, this, I mean, this is crazy and there's a lot of words here, but it's, it's important to realize that none of this has any truth behind it. None of what anyone is talking to you and telling you what to do has any truth or principle behind it whatsoever. It's all a bunch of fear mongering. It's all done based on emotions, not on science. And we'll get into that here in just a minute. White supremacy is a lethal public health issue that predates and contributes to COVID-19. Remember, this is a letter signed by 1,300 healthcare prof- professionals, infectious disease professionals, and, and, and others. So black people are twice as likely to be killed by police compared to white people, but the effects of racism are far more pervasive. Black people suffer from dramatic health disparities in life expectancy, maternal and infant mortality, chronic medical conditions, and outcomes from acute illnesses like myocardial infarction and sepsis. Biological determinants are insufficient to explain these disparities. They result from long-standing systems of oppression and bias which have subjected people of color to discrimination in the healthcare setting. Decreased access to medical care and healthy food, unsafe working conditions, mass incarceration, exposure to pollution and noise... (laughs) Noise... And the toxic effects of stress. Black people are also more likely to develop COVID-19. Black people with COVID-19 are diagnosed later in the disease course and have a higher rate of hospitalization, mechanical ventilation, and death. 
COVID-19 among black patients is yet another lethal manifestation of white supremacy. Remember, this is a letter signed by 1,300 healthcare professionals, including doctors, infectious disease experts, all of that. Uh, manifestation of white supremacy. In addressing demonstrations against white supremacy, our first statement must be one of unwavering support for those who would dismantle, uproot, or reform racist institutions. Uh, it says, staying at home, social distancing, and public masking are effective at minimizing the spread of COVID-19. To the extent possible, we support the application of these public health best practices during demonstrations that call attention to the pervasive lethal force of white supremacy. However, as public health advocates, we do not condemn these gatherings as risky for COVID-19 transmission. We support them as vital to the national public health and to the threatened health specifically of black people in the United States. We can show that support by facilitating safest protesting practices without detracting from the demonstrator's ability to particularly protest against stay-home orders. <laughs> Those actions not only oppose public health interventions, but also rooted in... <laughs> This should not be confused with a permissive stance on all gatherings, <clears throat> particularly protest against stay-at-home orders. Those actions not only oppose public health interventions, but are also rooted in white nationalism and run contrary to respect for black lives. Jesus. Protest against systemic racism, which fosters the disproportionate burden of COVID-19 on black communities and also perpetuates police violence, must be supported. Okay, so... Just to get this clear, it is okay to protest and be around in very large groups of people. I mean, very large groups of people, much larger groups of people than we're protesting the lockdowns. As long as you're protesting white supremacy, as long as you're protesting for Black Lives Matter, it is not okay. They do not permit people gathering together to protest stay-at-home orders because those are born out of white supremacy and are against public health, uh, public health advocates, just to get this clear. And so what they're saying in here is that the systemic racism, that the deaths from COVID-19, that all this stuff, uh, that, that racism and police brutality are more dangerous and a bigger problem than the potential people that could die from COVID-19. You realize that that's what they're saying? that that is a bigger problem, that police brutality, that police violence is a bigger problem than the amount of people that could die from COVID-19. It's, I, I don't know how much more insane this can actually get. All I can tell you is that this is all fake. There is no truth in this whatsoever. There is no principle in this whatsoever. There is another agenda here. This has nothing to do with healthcare. This has nothing to do with advocating for people not spreading COVID-19. This has to do with, with the underlying agenda. And I've been trying to hold off on that. I've been trying to speak highly of the reason that people are protesting. This is not me condemning protesters. This is me condemning the media, the healthcare professionals, the government, all of those people, the rioters, the looters, the opportunists, all of those people who are taking advantage of a group of people who have a very real reason to be upset about something and using it for another advantage, which we all know is not going to move towards liberty for all people whatsoever. So I pulled up some information. Just, just remember, we, we have to accept the fact that the reason that, say, black people have a higher mortality rate with COVID-19 is because of racism. The reason that black people have a lower life expectancy is because of racism. Um, the reason that people that they get more certain diseases is because of racism. 
I pulled up some numbers uh, from 2018. Um, this was a study done, and they were actually studying people who were African immigrants versus African Americans, and then people who were white. And they were studying the differences in some of these things. And I just think it's important to consider what some of these some of these numbers are. High blood pressure was 17% for African immigrants. It was 42% for African Americans and 34% for whites. Okay, high blood pressure can lead to a lot of bad extenuating problems whenever you're talking about people's health. Smoking was 5% for African immigrants, 18% for African Americans, and 16% for whites. Okay, so smoking can obviously lead to a lot of very detrimental health things, and actually it's pretty closely tied to a reason that COVID-19 would be pretty bad for you. Diabetes was 9% for African immigrants, 15% for African Americans, and 10% for whites. Diabetes. So 10% for white people, 15% for African Americans. Smoking, 16% for white people, 18% for African Americans. High blood pressure, 34% of white people, 42% of African Americans. Overweight, obesity, was 60% for African immigrants, 76% for African Americans, and 66% for whites. Once again, so what I, what I, the only thing I want to ask is can you simply say that the reason that mortality rates are on certain things are higher is because of institutional racism inside of the healthcare community? Can that, is that what you can say? Is that it's, it's due to our healthcare system being racist? Or is it that maybe sometimes different groups of people are just dealing with different problems that have higher mortality rates in some things? I, I don't know. I, I think that maybe you could make that case, potentially, that it's not just all due specifically to racism. And then when you go into that, I mean, you, you can't even, you got to remember, the case being made by these healthcare professionals is that the police brutality that the protesters are protesting against is more dangerous than the potential of the spread of COVID-19, which they've already said has a higher death rate among black people, which are predominantly making up the protesters, I would, I would have to partially assume, uh, I would say. So we've already said that COVID-19 has a higher mortality rate, but don't worry, police brutality is much more dangerous than COVID-19, which has killed about 115,000 people so far-ish, something like that for the year, allegedly. You know, <laughs> allegedly. We're assuming that it's somewhere around that number, you know, might be off by a couple tens of thousands, we'll see. But in, in, in 2015, the Washington Post started, started a real-time database to track fatal police shootings. And so this year, by the way, there's been about 1,500 people shot. Okay, Of them, 732 were white, 381 were black. Now we can go into the statistics, which are like 15 black people were killed that were unarmed, and it was a few more white people, basically something like that. None of that specifically matters. Can you actually, as a healthcare professional, sit there and tell me with, with truth, truth and principles in your heart as a scientist that police brutality is a higher danger for black people than the potential of COVID-19 killing over 100,000 people in the country this year? Are there any numbers that suggest that whatsoever? Like I said to start off the podcast, the unfortunate truth about this... While Besides we, abortion... 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> 19 well, million. Well, the unfortunate truth about this, be, listen, we are libertarians. We speak out about the police when they do something wrong. We are in favor of private policing. Anytime that they kill someone, it is it is. We're bad. in favor of protest. We are, we are in favor of peaceful protest for sure. But that does not mean that I can simply accept the narrative that there is this, this mass death being caused by white supremacy around the country, especially inside of police. Police have millions of interactions with citizens every single year. There's almost a million police officers. They have millions of interactions with people every single year. I am not excusing any of the deaths that have happened, but you cannot tell me on a numbers basis that we are dealing with some type of a pandemic of black people being killed by police that is more dangerous than COVID-19 at all. Can someone actually make that case to me where it, where it makes sense, please? Well, then, then the other thing is there's no doubt that racism exists, but I mean, and I can say this as someone who's overweight and needs to work out. I mean, 76% of African-Americans are overweight or obese. They're not starving in the street. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, now, this is in this study uh, that they polled. You know, I don't know how accurate oh, okay. that is for the entire population. You know, that I don't know. Well, because, yeah, is, it, says, it says 66% for whites. I think it's more like 40%, 50%, something like that. But I've said many times, like, you're not, if you're overweight, you're not poor. There, like, there are many poor people um, who are starving in all kinds of countries. And if you're not starving, you're not truly poor. Yeah. And so it's no doubt that as I said before, that, that racism exists and change needs to occur, but the hypocrisy surrounding all of this from the pandemic to the protests, to the stay at home orders, to everything that they are, that they're pushing for, like, what is, what is their goal? If you don't think that the COVID-19 pandemic was, was hijacked by opportunists to push an agenda, then I, I don't know where you're at, you, but, by the way. Yeah. I mean, they, they actually even told said, you, but then if you're, if you're a black person and you don't think that a rightful cause of ending any kind of systemic racism inside of the justice system is being hijacked by people to push an agenda, the same agenda that the COVID-19 lockdowns were pushing, by the way, if you don't think that that's what's happening, then you're probably not still listening to the show this far in more than likely. Magoo said, these are the same scientists saying the world will end in 12 years. Yeah. Well, we're a year past that, by the way. So now it's only 11. Yeah. So yeah, it's 11 years. Well, we want to make sure we save enough people to make it to the end, but we're on borrowed <laughs> time anyway, because it was going to end in the year of 2000 or 2001, you know, yeah. anyway. So we're already on negative 19 yeah. years that the world was supposed to end. You should go ahead and sell. We're yeah. on, we're on negative 50 <laughs> years since the world was supposed to freeze over from an ice age, you know, it's just there's another agenda being pushed here, and it's frustrating to me that a, like I keep saying, a rightful protest against the violence of the state against people is being hijacked for another narrative, for another reason. And people need to wake up to that. Wake up, America. You know, <laughs> that's what people need to do. All right. It's, it's infuriating. And I don't know how to, like, how do you argue against uh, someone who might be completely insane? I mean, how do you argue against someone who has no principles, who has no rationality whatsoever, and who is only on speaking on emotions and slogans? Like, how do you argue against it? And if you do argue against it, by the way, you're racist uh, automatically. If you point out some of the things that I pointed out today, you're racist simply because you're pointing these things out. Like I've been tweeting and I've been tweeting it every single day. We are dealing with an economics problem that is disguised as a race problem right now. 
If you want to deal with healthcare and people not going to treatments and doing stuff like that, that is an economics problem. That is the fact that the government has made healthcare so expensive that people in the lowest, the, the, the highest poverty rates cannot afford to have as much healthcare. Now, if that affects mostly, mostly black people, then that is a problem still of economics, not of racism. And we need to be dealing with it as an economics problem. People dealing drugs, people doing any kind of shady stuff involved in any kind of crime whatsoever is an economics problem, mostly. Mostly still an economics problem. It's still a government overreach problem. And we need to be addressing it as such and not just saying that we're going to end racism. You have to be able to pinpoint what the actual problem is before you can come up with a solution. And I'm not seeing anyone pinpoint what the actual problem is. You just got to end it, man. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Just end it. We should outlaw it. Yeah. Have we I, thought about passing an anti-racism the, bill? I think how we do it, you know, because we're a podcast about solutions is I think we we agree with people where we agree with them and you start the conversation there. But it is difficult. Some people are just too far gone. Yeah. For instance, and I bring them up a lot. My mom said I needed to stop talking about them on the podcast, but it's nothing that I wouldn't say to my brother's face. <laughs> um, but, but for instance, my brother, you know, there are multiple times where we have conversations and I'll agree with them or ask him like what his solutions are. We'll be in agreement. We'll start talking. But anytime I, I point out any type of hypocrisy or anything like that, then all of a sudden he gets angry and tells me to F off and that I don't know what I'm talking about and I don't have a degree. So I'm dumb essentially is what he's implying. And so it's like, I think there's where you have to kind of cut this conversation off, but I think we can agree with a lot of what people are saying on certain things, but, but we have to get to the root cause. So start with agreement and work your way to the root cause. And that's the only way to do it. You got to take it down to roots. Take it to the roots, man. I got to play this video real quick. Just if do you, it quickly. If, Cause I got a guy. If Dave. you want to know how far Trump derangement syndrome has gone, this is in stage Trump derangement s- syndrome. This is a, this is a girl on TikTok. She's about 15. Listen, you know, she's got a lot to learn still, but she's crying and she's talking about how Trump is starting another Holocaust. She says, Trump's starting another Holocaust. Prove me wrong. And hopefully you guys, I know we're not playing the video. We're not actually live video today, but... At least hear the audio. <laughs> I'm laughing just thinking about it right now. Oh, man. Let me get this. No, I'm not exactly the voice that people need to be hearing right now. Um, in fact, I need more confirmation that this is real. I've gotten some, um, but I need more confirmation that this is real. Um, Trump supporters got an email that said that this email is for patriots only. You've been identified as one of President Trump's fiercest and most loyal defenders, and according to your donor file, you'd make an excellent addition to the Trump army. It goes on to tell them that they would get a limited edition camo, keep America great hat. <laughs> To let them know that you are the president's first line of defense when it comes to fighting off the liberal mob. I don't know if you know. Hitler made Jews wear yellow stars. This feels like the reverse of that. No, I'm not. Oh man, that's so like good. The reverse of that. But that's just how far the hatred and the fear has gone. That. This is how people word political emails. Like, I'm on a lot of those lists, you know. You make a great addition to the Trump army. Like, 
she takes it as he's putting together a little a literal army yeah like a, like he's putting together the ss and then she compares it to the jews wearing stars and says oh it's the reverse of that like what what oh my god how bad is that it's so good so good so guys thank you so much for hanging out with us today go to patreon.com slash good morning liberty if you want to support the show i heard our advertisement on the lines of liberty podcast yesterday on their interview of joe jorgensen and that podcast is going to get a lot of listens and it's through your guys's donations that we we are able to consistently run advertising on the lines of liberty podcast and be supporters of theirs on patreon as well so listen if you're interested in getting this message out what we're talking about out in front of the most amount of people possible uh, then you can jump in on patreon for as little as five bucks a month you can hang out with us live patreon.com slash good morning liberty as nate said smash that subscribe button or just tap it you can just lightly touch it it'll work too but either way if you're feeling angry or something if you want alex jones then smash it then do that on the subscribe button don't be part of the hate percent be part of the 92 percenters that love this show and hit subscribe and they get the download automatically to your phone. There's nothing better than a fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. So make sure you guys do that. And then uh, also there's Master My Trades. Today was a ridiculous day in the market. We have one stock I've been watching that ended up it, right now. It's up 670 percent on the day. It was up it was up uh, 700 percent over 700 percent. On the day, the latest news out of they just signed a uh, contract with the U.S. Navy. Uh, so it's a I believe it's a biotech stock. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's a biotech stock. But anyway, we see stuff like this every single day. If you guys uh, this is one of the stocks we had uh, this morning in the pre-market. So you guys need to get in on that at mastermytrades.com and just learn. We're offering a seven day free trial so you can learn about uh, trading, what the markets are doing, what these kind of stocks look like. Everybody was crazed about Bitcoin and it making thousand point move or thousand percentage point moves. And we find stocks almost every single day that do the exact same thing. I had so, to break protocol today. I, I broke my discipline today because I'm on the one share challenge that we're doing for the class right now. And I like the stock so much. I just had to jump in on it and hey, made 140 bucks in, in, in just a couple minutes. So yeah, that's good. Wasn't too bad, but that was against my discipline. I guess that trade's going to get some red boxes around it, but I, I definitely okay. left a lot of profit <laughs> on the table today, but I'm up 200 bucks today and I can't complain about that. Uh, but this stock ended up going, I held, I had a hundred shares of this stock back at, uh, what was my price? Eight, $8. And it ended up making a run all the way up to a new high of 1950, 1950. <laughs> 1950. Wow. So, um, I left probably about a thousand dollars on the table, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, this kind of stuff happens all the time. And so you can, you can be part of these runners, uh, not guaranteeing that you're going to make any money. It's all depending on how you want to trade, but we call these types of things out in the pre-market. And so you guys can learn how to read the price action of the charts and find these types of deals. You wonder like, oh, how do these people find these stocks and do that? Well, we can help you out with that. So go to mastermytrades.com, be part of the Liberty Trading Academy. A lot of people in our live group are, are part of it and love it. Um, Maurice has been in it since the beginning and now the guy ended up winning and he's got most of his stuff now, Master My Trades for free since mm -hmm. he won the contest. Mm -hmm. So we're probably gonna be doing another contest and, and some other things. So you guys stay tuned for that. But go sign up, get be part of the free trial, learn the very basics of trading. It's absolutely so much fun to do, and you'll look forward to Mondays just like we do. 
after the weekend. So if you guys do all of that, share the show with a communist uncle, then we'll be back again tomorrow. Hopefully, as long as we get everything set up, which I think we will, it may not be video again. It may just be audio, but hopefully we'll still be able to do a podcast tomorrow. So if you guys do all that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black,